right. Singing about Jesus is such a great way to come out of that mixer question, right? What makes a good leader? What is a characteristic of a good leader? And I heard some great things, honesty, sacrifice, um, humility, um, teaching that next generation, teaching the younger ones, and helping them come along, leading them in wisdom. And I'm thinking about what makes a good leader. I'm thinking about Jesus over here. And then I'm also thinking about our leaders today, leaders in the world, leaders in the headlines, leaders in my news feed. And it's a little, uh, yeah, there's a disconnect there, right? Um, what percentage of leaders, let's start with the U.S., what percentage of leaders in the U.S. would you say have those characteristics that you look for in a leader? <laughs> All right, yes, half percent, yeah. Okay, how about world leaders today? Maybe it's, maybe it's better out there. Pretty, pretty low maybe, yeah. How about, let's go back in history a little bit. World leaders in history. Hey, yeah, we got, there's a few bright spots along the way, right? Uh, but few and far between. We're going to look at uh, the story of how God came in Jesus to be king, ruler of heaven and earth. He came through this people, Israel, these descendants of Abraham. And one of the things that God did in their history is he uh, gave them some human kings. They had these for a period of time. And uh, so we're going to look at the list of the kings of Israel. Now, I don't expect you to be able to see the names here, but I just really want to see the color coding here. So at the top, we have Saul. Israel. Now, what color is most prominent? All right. What might that represent? Bad kings. Yeah. Yeah. These, these were not good kings. They, they broke... Uh, God's law, uh, they were uh, immoral, they were um, aggressive, they were about themselves, about holding power uh, and using whatever means necessary to keep power, and uh, they were corrupt. All right, now yellow, yeah, yeah, not terrible, not great, but not terrible, right? Yeah, questionable, somewhere in there. And then the green are, hey, these are good kings. You know, overall, generally speaking, far from perfect, uh, actually the, the, the best of the bunch was who? David. David, right? And any flaws there? Yeah. Yeah, murdered a guy's husband that he committed adultery with and kind of checked out the end of his, his role as king. And so, you know, he started good. He, he's given the, the green title. Uh, in scripture. Saul started pretty good, then he went bad quickly, I mean really bad. Solomon started well, asked for wisdom as a young man, but then he became like the nations around him as well. And then we see this break in the kingdom from the northern kingdom on the left, the kings of Israel. So there was a, there was a civil war. There was a break in the kingdom. It was divided. And on the right you have the kings of Judah. And uh, we see the kings of Israel, they stop with Hosea. And do you know why they stopped? There? Assyria, yeah. But so Assyria is this regional superpower. They come in and take uh, the northern kingdom into exile. Why would God allow that? God's more powerful than Assyria. 
Yeah, they continually broke covenant with him. He warned them. He called them to repentance. Once in a while, they'd come back a little bit briefly, but then they kept going back and doing things that harmed his, uh, his people, harmed his creation. They were not good. So he, like he warned them, he let them go into exile. He let Assyria take them in. That was about 722 B.C. Judah lasted a little bit longer. Uh, they lasted till 586 B.C., um, but they went the same way as their brothers in the north. All right, that's a little depressing. All right, so leaders, not many of these characteristics were found in the leaders of Israel. And these are people who God gave them instructions. This is what it looks like to be a good leader. And this, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. He spelled it out for them. He made it as easy as possible. And yet we see that humanity, even when we know the right thing to do, Clearly, we don't often do it, right? We tend to stray. We tend to go our own way. We tend to do what is right in our own eyes instead of what is right in God's eyes. All right, well, maybe things got better. They went into exile. Um, maybe Assyria is not so bad, right? Uh, let, me tell you, let me read to you about um, how the, the king at the time, Sargon, then Sennacherib, Ashurbanipal, these kings of Assyria that dominated that region at the time uh, and who took Israel into exile, listen to uh, their own words about their exploits against Israel and other nations. This is the kind of leaders they were. Some of their own records says, uh, this is, I believe, Ashurbanipal. He said, I flayed as many nobles as had rebelled against me and draped their skins over a pile of corpses. Some I spread out within the pile, some I put on stakes upon the pile. All right, nice guy. Um, I flayed many right through my, my land and draped their skins over the walls. I cut off the heads of their fighters, built a tower before their city. I burnt their adolescent boys and girls. Yikes. I captured many troops alive. I cut off some of their arms and hands. I cut off others, their noses, their ears. You get the picture, right? Ugly, brutal way of establishing and upholding your kingdom and your power. A, a brutal, violent way of bringing people into your kingdom. Lots of blood on the hands of these rulers. Um, Assyria is just one example. I mean, kings of Israel, they had their, their, the blood on their hands as well. And then after the Assyrians came the Babylonians. No better, all right? Then the Persians, then the Greeks, then the Romans. The Romans, what was their specialty of like enforcing their power and demonstrating, hey, you better remain subject to us? Crucifixion. Yeah, horrible, awful way to die. And often at times, if you didn't worship Caesar, you were executed. You'd be forced to worship him. If you didn't, you'd be executed. Okay, so in all those kings and kingdoms, just a little historical perspective here on leaders, uh, they had slaves. Uh, women were definitely lower. There were all kinds of injustices, um, ethnic hierarchies, and so forth. Not a good time. All right. Into that darkness, into that darkness, God promised to bring something new. So you're in that situation. You've grown up with it. That's the standard of the day. Into this darkness, God spoke this through Isaiah, to his people in 730 B.C. Let's, let's look at this. Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He'll reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal, the passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Darkness. What is the... What is God promising here? What are some things that stood out to you? What, what, what's the big picture here? What's he promising to bring? A good king. Yes, a good king. What's good about him? What are some things you see? Justice, doing the right thing, impartial judgment, right? Fair. And righteousness, doing the right thing, doing what's good. That's how he's going to establish it and uphold it. Peace. peace, prince of peace. He's going to establish peace. Peace with God, peace with one another. Yes. Anything else stand out here? Wisdom, bringing wisdom. Yes. Yes, counselor. Yes, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay. Now, this could be good for a while, but then, you know, we've seen in Israel's history, or in our own history, right? Sometimes you have a good leader, and then what happens? Lincoln gets shot. King dies. And then you don't know what you're getting. This kingdom is forever. This king is everlasting father, Prince of Peace. Of his government, there will be no end. This is a different category, a different new type of king and kingdom that is promised. This is the light that was spoken into that darkness. In our own darkness, man, there's still darkness, right? Things are not good. The darkness persists. The light has shined. And we'll see that the light has come. The first promise that we see today from God. First fill in, God promises to send a good king, a good king, a good ruler, leader, Lord. He is good. Now today, again, the darkness is still here, but those promises that we heard that were spoken way back, 730 BC, have been fulfilled, have been past tense fulfilled. Next film, the good king has come, the promises fulfilled. Let's look at that now. Let's see how it happened. So now we're fast forwarding from 730 BC to 5 BC around there. Um, that's a good estimate. Luke 2, this is what happened. While they were there, this is Mary and Joseph, in Bethlehem, the time had come for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
not a real, you know, extravagant uh, entry for this king. But we do get some light and some glory here. Verse 8, and there were shepherds, just everyday people, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord, which is unusual, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Some kind of bright light has come. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring to you good news, good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. You could translate that king just as easily. He is Christ the Lord. The announcement of the birth of a king. The arrival of a king. Now again, think of your, you're in that time and place. And there's an announcement that a new king has come, has been born. And you think about the history of kings that have come and gone, and you may not be that excited. But here the angels say, no, it's good news. It'll be for great joy, not just for a few, not just for his favorites, but for all people. All right, so let's look at this Savior, Christ slash King uh, Lord. Let's see what this Savior, Christ Lord, King does. All right? Because what kind of king will he be? From what will he save them? He's a savior. He's going to save them from the Romans. He's going to save them from high inflation. What's he going to save them from? Uh, is this actually good news? All right. Where would we go to find out what kind of king this is? Where would we look? Where's a good place to look? Where's a good place to find some information about this? Yeah, you can look at Isaiah. You know, there's the promise. There's the picture. Yeah. Well, the king has actually come now. Where do we see? Okay, let's see how this plays out. The yeah, the Gospels. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, the biographies. Not just one, four witnesses talking about who this king is, what he did, what kind of king he is, and so forth. Is this really good news or not? Let's find out. Matthew 4. This takes us forward to around the year 28. So about 32 years, roughly, give or take, uh, after Jesus' birth. All right, Matthew 4. Jesus went out through Galilee. This is not little baby Jesus. This is full man Jesus. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogue. So this is what he did. This is what this king uh, did, this promised one did. Teaching. Yeah. Hamid mentioned his father. He looked up to him. He's a good leader. He taught him. Here's Jesus, the good king, going throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming something, announcing something, announcing the good news of the kingdom. Where the king is, he brings a kingdom. He's bringing the rule and reign of God. And let's see what happens when that happens. He's, he comes, he teaches, and he's healing every disease and sickness among the people. Wow, okay, that, that's the kind of king we're talking about here. News about him spread all over Syria, so beyond Israel's borders. It's not just for Israel, right? And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering from severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. You get a picture. Everybody who's in need, right? He, they came to him from far, and he healed them. 
This is what it looks like when the kingdom of God breaks in. Power is released. What kind of power? Power to dominate, power to quell opposition. No, power to heal, to restore, to bring alive again, to set broken things straight, to reverse the curse that humanity has been laboring over since Genesis 3. How does this king use his power, his resources, his abilities to heal, to bless? That's the next film. The king, this king, unlike all other kings that we've seen in history, this king uses his power to heal and bless others, to heal and bless all who come, all who come to him. This king exerts himself to help others. He's self-sacrificing. That was Paul's answer to the question, what makes a great leader? He, self, he gives himself, he pours himself out, he releases his power for the good of others, to restore them, to lift them up. Not to raise himself up, to lift himself up, to demonstrate his love, his care for others. He demonstrates that he sees people the woman suffering from this bleeding thing, hidden, out, trying to stay hidden. Jesus knows what's happening. He calls her out. He sees us. He knows. He shines in the darkness of our own lives in the world around us. And it's good news. This is great joy for all people. This is a major, momentous, fantastic event happening. This king, this ruler, this lord is good. He's powerful, right? Powerful. Powerful to do things that humans could not do, still cannot do. So he's at least, at minimum, bare minimum, worthy of our attention. Well, I better look into this a little bit, right? And then when you do look, many of us here, we've looked and we've pursued, and we've come into relationship, and we've tried to come under his good rule and reign and listen to him and be taught by him, and we have tasted that he is good and that he's worthy, not just of our attention, but of praise and honor and glory. He is the worthy king. He is good. Now, let's go back to the prophets real quick, pre-Jesus' birth. We're going to go back this time to about 539 B.C. God gave Israel, through another prophet, Daniel, a vision of the promised king. All right, so again, this is pre-Jesus' birth. And he referred to this, this one uh, that ascends to the throne. He, he pictures him as the son of man. And when, that sounds familiar, right? Who called themselves the son of man? Yeah, that was his favorite title for himself. He gets it from here. Daniel 7, 13 through 14. Here we go. This is back 539 B.C. In my vision at night, I looked. And there before me, this is what he's seeing, is one like a son of man, a, a male human, human form. And coming, it's coming with the clouds of heaven. All right, so this is what Daniel's getting, this vision from God. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. Ancient of Days, God Most High. He comes into the presence of God. 
And he, this son of man, this human male, was, was given by the Ancient of Days authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. This is the vision. His dominion, his rule and reign is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. What's this a picture of? What's happening to this son of man in this image, this vision? What is it? Yeah, becoming king. He's being enthroned, right? He's coming to his throne. It's the enthronement scene. Shelly said it, right? Yeah, good job. All right, enthronement scene. All right, he's being enthroned, given us a kingdom that will never be destroyed, never pass away. This kingdom that Jesus brings is what? Eternal, solid, certain, unshakable. There's some security for us in this if we are part of this kingdom, right? Yes. All right. Now, how do kings and rulers typically come to power? How are they enthroned? How do they take power? How do they establish their throne? By force. Coercion, bribery, killing, torture, threat of torture, imprison your opposition, silence the media, fix the vote. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that works great, right? Family lineage. Yeah, well, I was a good king. Well, sort of. Here you go, son. Yeah. King Herod, during the time when Jesus was born, that same, that same King Herod, that regional king over Judea, he had his at least one wife killed, at least one son killed, you know, just in case. He wanted to make sure it went to the right people. Yikes. Brutal. Now, any of this happening today? Any nation in history, every nation in history has some blood on their hands, right? Some corruption. Yet we're human. We need a good king. We need a better king. All right. Yeah, history is like you think about how it's happening today, how rulers are coming to power, taking power, bringing people into the kingdom. So let's look at Jesus. How did Jesus ascend to the throne? What was his method? Let's take a look. He, he showed his followers in advance how he did this. This is John 10, 11. Again, back, back to AD, about 28, Jesus' adult preaching the good news about the kingdom. He says this, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He's contrasting himself with the religious leaders of that time. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd does what? Lays down his life for his sheep. His followers, those who belong to his kingdom. Us. Hebrews 12, 2, looking back at after his enthronement, for the joy set before him, before Jesus, the king, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame, it was a shameful, awful death. He scorned its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus take power? Blood on his hands? Yeah. By giving his blood for you and me. 
for laying his, his life down on the cross for you and me, for our sins. That opens the door for you and me to be able to come into the presence of God. That cleanses us from the blood on our own hands. It cleanses us so that we can be right with God and come into his kingdom. Jesus' trajectory, he descends to become one like us. He takes on human flesh. The eternal son of God did not hold on to that divine uh, prerogatives. He let go of them for a while. He lowered himself. He took on human form. He became flesh, made his dwelling among us. Then he humbled himself even more as a servant. And then he served us by dying on the cross for our sins. And God raised him up on the third day. That wasn't the end. That was the descent. His ascent raised on the third day, appears to them over 40 days, and then ascends back to heaven. Seated now at the right hand, the throne of God, waiting for the Father to make his enemies a footstool for his feet. When Jesus returns, he's going to bring justice. He's going to bring judgment for the living and the dead. So now in this time, he's gathering people into his kingdom. He's bringing people into his kingdom. How's he doing it? Coercion, the sword, crusaders. How? Love, teaching love. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Sharing this good news about this good king. Right? Let's look at it. So first of all, the, the king came to power, this is the next film, by dying for you. Not telling you to go die for his kingdom. Not using you as fodder for his kingdom. He comes and he dies for you. The king has come, the king is good. Okay, now look at the king today. This is how he does it. This is how he brings people into his kingdom. Matthew 2. This is an early, early call to people who are outside of his kingdom. Matthew 2. This is back to about 5 BC, right, with Jesus' birth. 2-1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. You could say wise men. You could say magicians. You could say astrologers. Uh, from the east, outside of Israel, non-Jews, non came to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? The promised king for the Jews and for all nations, but for here, the king of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So God somehow, through this astronomical star, this phenomenon, draws people from the east who are doing what? Or are they just sitting around? Looking, seeking, inquiring. They had some of these old prophecies. They had some scrolls. They were anticipating. And they saw, and they went way out of their way to check this has come. We've come to worship this king that's been born. Fast forward, Jesus is an adult now. About 28 BC, Mark 1, this is what Jesus does. Jesus the king does. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news, good news of, the, of God. The time has come, Jesus said, the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God is at hand in him. Therefore, repent, turn, 
and believe the good news. This is how God brings people into his kingdom. By word, by invitation, by calling. Not by duress, he doesn't drag people in. He doesn't threaten us. He invites us, he calls us, he gets the word out. Next fill in. The king brings people, all people, into his kingdom by calling us to turn and take hold of him. So this is, these are his methods. This is how he works. This is how he's come to the throne. This is how he calls people into his kingdom. This is how he right now is establishing his kingdom, bringing people all over the world into his kingdom from all different kinds of backgrounds, different languages. He's doing this all over the world. He might be doing it this morning here among us, bringing people into his kingdom. So, this is good news of great joy for all people. Why? Let, let's see why we should call people and invite people this season to go to him. Number one, hopefully we heard it today, go to him because he is good. He's good. I mean, that, that, that's, that's good enough for me. Okay, he's good. Why do you say he's good? But what's good about him? We've been covering this, right? And then you can tell people, how has he been good in your own life? What good has he done in your own life? How is this kingdom operating now? Is this something just back then? We've got lots of stories here. Go to him because he is good. So I asked the people just to kind of get my head around this. Why is it great personally for you that Jesus is king? How does that reality help you? I asked some people who I know know Jesus is the king. They've been walking with him for a while. Why is that great for you? So here's some responses I got uh, from Sarah. Sarah says, Jesus as king personally gives me a sense of peace and freedom. So this is right now stuff. He is on the throne. See it at the right hand of God. He's already won the battle, right? He's won the victory. And it's his kingdom, not mine, which is also where the difficulty lies when I try to take over. Thinking of Jesus as king helps me reorient and put him in his rightful place as the authority, looking to him for guidance and truth. But it's not just that someone is on the throne with a plan. It's who he is that allows trust and rest. He is loving, sacrificial, faithful, just. Humble, willing not only to be fully human, but to die for me. And because of his good character, his plan is working everything together for his glory and for my good. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus the King because he is good. Because he's good. Why should I pray? Why should I, why should I go to him in his word and learn more about him? Why should I go, right? It's cold out. Why should I go gather on Sunday? Because Jesus is good. This is where he is. This is where he's present with his people. Go to Jesus because he's good. A couple more things about the king's goodness. I, man, this was an editing job. This is one of those Sunday prep uh, times where I was like, ah, uh, it's way too big. I got to hack, hack, hack. There's so much about God's goodness here. It was hard to pick. Jeremiah, look at this other 
messianic passage about the king who is to come, Jeremiah, we're going to go into him, 588 B.C. Here's the message that came to Jeremiah for Israel, for his people. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David, for that broken line of David, a righteous branch, a new branch, a new sprout, a king who will, who will reign wisely. That's what we need. And do what is just and right in the land. Yes. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he'll be called. The Lord, our righteous Savior. Some things you heard there. Some things about his goodness. What did you hear? Words. Wisely, what wisdom, please. Yes, more of that. Safety, yes. And I'll throw in righteous. Righteous does the right thing. Does what's right and good every time. 100% track record. Jane shared this to that question I asked. She said, the world is topsy-turvy. Yep. People argue this philosophy or that ideology and promote different issues that bring confusion. Right? Sometimes it seems like Satan is winning. Things feel dark. Going back to the beginning of the message today, darkness, right? And out of control. But in my heart, I know that no matter how dark and dismal things seem or get, I'll add, no matter how strong the enemy seems, no matter how weak I feel or insecure in this world and its systems, I am, in reality, a daughter of the king, not an outsider just looking at this, thinking, oh, this is interesting. No, she's been brought into the kingdom of God. You and me, brothers and sisters, have been brought into the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters of the king. I am secure in his kingdom and will be triumphant over darkness and evil. I can put my confidence in his kingdom, which will be revealed to all people one day. Next, Phil, and go to Jesus the king. Go to him for eternal security, not fleeting security, not temporary security, eternal security. If you are united to God through Christ, if you are part of his kingdom, you're secure. Why do you fear? Why do you worry, Jesus said? You have little faith. The storm's coming and Jesus is sleeping in the boat because he is at peace. Jesus is on the throne, whatever, all the ups and downs that we go through that you went through this past week, that you'll go through this week, whatever bad news comes, Jesus is on the throne. And you are secure in him. Whatever this world kicks at you, whatever comes, you are secure in Christ. Christ in the heavenly realms, on the throne. You are in his kingdom. And nothing can shake his kingdom. End of the day, that's all we have is Jesus. He's solid. Everything else, you can't put too much weight on it, all right? Go to him for eternal security. All right, one more here. Ian shared this. Because Jesus is king and trusted authority, others that claim authority and vie for my attention and emotions are less credible, all right? Jesus is the better king. News, bosses, friends that have different motivations, whatever the newest thing is, I run all that now by the king to determine whether it should be given any attention. This sounds like wisdom. Ian is going to Jesus the King for wisdom. That's the next one. Go to him for wisdom. 
In Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. He's the one to go to. He will show you the way. He's your good teacher. He's your wise counselor. He is our Prince of Peace. He is, he's demonstrated his love for you. Whatever he tells you to do is going to be good. It's the best way. might be the hardest way, but it'll be the best way. Go to Jesus for wisdom. Here's the question I'm trying to ask in every situation, at least this week. Start doing this. What here would please you, Lord? What would please you? Every decision, every little decision, every massive decision, what would please you here, Lord? I'm trying to wrestle. I'm trying to decide how to respond, how to react, what to do here. What would please you? You're the wise one. You're the good one. You're the better king. You're better than me. You're going to rule it better than I did. Ask in every situation what would please you, Lord. Why don't we stand now? Let's go to him. Let's go to him with our our troubles, our situations, our joys, our victories, our, ah, our hard stuff. Let's go to him for wisdom. Let's remind, let's remember that we are secure in him. We are at peace with him. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then just continue that as we go into this next song. If you want someone to pray with you, please go to the back, get some extra prayer. Lord God, we thank you for coming for us, God. You're the light that shined in the darkness, that came in the darkness, that continues to come in the darkness of this world, Lord, and in our own lives, Lord. The invitation you've made, the way you've made open, Lord, help us to go to you regularly. Help us go to you for wisdom. Help us go to you when we're anxious and fearful and not feeling that security, Lord. Help us go to you and find what is good. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your offers, your invitation. We ask that you would help us not miss anything this week, this season, this coming year, Lord. Amen.